Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 216. It was just too much. It took too much from my body. It took too much time from my family. It was taking up just too much space in my world. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. I want to start off with a really important announcement. The doors for Makers MBA are about to close again. So if you've been thinking about joining and have been putting it off, let's get your questions answered so you can make the right decision for you. Feel free to email me directly with your questions, sue at suemonheit.com. And if you're just joining me here and have no idea what I'm talking about, Makers MBA is my signature business development program for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. If you've been thinking about starting a business from your hobby or craft and you don't know what to do first, or if you've started and aren't seeing the results you'd expected, then the program is for you. You'll go from feeling overwhelmed, confused, and discouraged because you're not sure how to move forward to feeling energized and confident as your business starts producing a steady flow of customers and sales. Not only that, you'll know exactly what to do next to keep the dollars flowing. If you want more detail and info on how to join, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash join Makers MBA. You'll know that we've already closed if you see a message to that effect at that link. But no worries, just drop your name and email and I'll let you know when we open up again. And keep listening to this show too, because that will also help you along as you're waiting for the next session. Okay, who are my bakers out there? The episode this week is especially for you. But Juliet serves up sweet lines like nobody's business for all businesses. From talking about balance to scaling and support, it's an entertaining and educational batch of advice any handmade business owner can savor. All right, maybe that's a little corny, but I've got to get you prepared for Juliet. You'll understand what I mean right away. Oh, shall we just get started? Let's do it. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Juliet Galio of Caker's Chat. Juliet is all too familiar with the love-hate relationship many sugar artists have with caking. After starting a career in cake decorating 10 years ago, while starting a family, she found herself alone, frustrated, and unhappy doing the things she loved most. Juliet's love for sugar art swelled after competing and winning three consecutive medals. The toll of working from home alone and doing it all herself, however, was depleting the creative, loving, and social being she truly is. After meeting so many cakers just like her, she wanted everyone to know that they are not alone and has committed to helping those in the sweet community believe in themselves and their dreams. Juliet's weekly Wednesday YouTube show and podcast, Caker's Chat, are filled with wisdom sprinkles to help sugar professionals with everything from mindset 
marketing, and the encouragement needed to compete and stand out in the industry. Juliet, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so looking forward to our chat. And although this isn't frosting and cake, I have a question for you about candles. And I know you know it since you've listened to the show, but I'd like to have you describe yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to share with us what color it is and what the quote or motto would be on your candle, what would it look like? Sue, I absolutely love this idea. So my candle, I know everybody's probably thinking teal. It has to be teal because that's our branding. But no, it's actually more of a glowing orange, pink and magenta and red center. Of course, it's filled with love. So when you light this candle, I want you to be filled with love. And remember that you are enough in front of that candle would say, I am enough because love has to start with loving yourself. And of course, being the complex being that I am on the other side, it would say, all you do is do, do, do. And that's just a whole (laughs) bunch of (laughs) doo-doo. Seriously, that's a riot. (laughs) Right. It really comes from the fact that we try to value ourselves by doing so much. And the minute that we have some free time to ourselves, well, we don't feel like we're worthy. And I don't want you to feel that way. That's a whole bunch of doo-doo. Let that premise go. Live life with intention and know that everything you do either is towards your goal or away from your goal. And there is a time for rest. And that should be part of your whole plan. You know, I think a lot of us are challenged with that. And I'm thinking as you're saying this, it's probably part of just being an entrepreneur and wanting to build something for yourself. That restlessness, like, because I know, I don't think I can sit in a chair and not multitask. I'm not sure I know how to do it. And I know it's important to your point that you should. So I need to work with the doo-doo apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. It really is important. I think it's a way if you acknowledge it and know that it's there, it does take hard work because if that's how you're wired as I am, and for many generations, that's how we've been wired to just keep going. The thing is, what'll happen is you'll burn out. And that thing that you love most will be the thing that you hate. Yeah, it's a wisdom, that's for sure. What do you call them, wisdom sprinkles? Wisdom sprinkles. (laughs) (laughs) But while we're on this point, I don't think I can say this enough, and we have talked about it before, but there's a difference between doing, 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 and then doing tasks that can actually build your business. And it's important, there always has to be a little bit of both. This is kind of a spin off of the whole working in your business versus on your business theory. But so often we think we're busy because we're doing so much, but then we're not seeing more sales coming in or the phone ringing more or whatever it is because we're so busy working on something, but it's not necessarily something that's leading us to a goal. Absolutely. So we have to be careful with that. We can't get stuck in the doo-doo. How about that? That's a great one. I like that one too. Don't get stuck in the (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo. I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. So like everything is potty talk in my house. So yeah, that's probably where it came from. But yeah, don't get stuck in that. You don't have to be the one to do everything. As an entrepreneur, you think that because it's the beginning, sure, in the beginning, you do have to have your hands and fingers dipped and everything. But as you get proficient in what it is that you do, that excellence, that thing that you can only do and nobody else can, 
you need to start outsourcing some things and start looking at things from a higher level so that you can move ahead. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck working in your business and not on your business and you won't move ahead. You won't move ahead and you've limited your business then because there's only so much one person can do. And then it'll just build up into resentment and then you're going to be like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Let's move on. Yep. I know it firsthand. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And, you know, maybe some of our listeners here will be like, gulp, that's me. Well, guess what? It's okay. You learn and then you make adjustments. And I often have to watch myself because it's so much easier to gravitate to things that are easy and comfortable to do versus the challenging things that often are the things that are going to advance your business forward. It's hard work to rest, relax, and rejuvenate. It is hard work, especially if it's not part of your habits. It's not part of your habit. So if it's not part of your daily habit to rejuvenate, relax, or even meditate, it's just as important as water. It's just as important as sleep. And yet even those things fall to the wayside because you're so busy doing, 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 doing. You can't do that. The first thing you do, you wake up in the morning, you grab your phone and you see how many likes you have on something. Oh my God, that burns a hole in my heart. Please don't do that to yourself and your mental state. You need to get back into your own center and speak to yourself. Absolutely. All right, well, let's practice what we preach and not get stuck here. Yeah, let's start. Because we could talk the whole time on this. Right. Share with us how you got into cake decorating. So the first portion of your sweet career, if you will. Absolutely. I was always some type of artist, crafter type of personality. And believe it or not, I went to school for business communication and graphic design. So as a graphic designer, as far as baking was concerned, that was just something we did at home. And it was just a rite of passage in our family. You were ready to be a wife to somebody, if you will, when you knew how to bake very well. And in my teenagehood, my cookies started to get more complex. And one day my mom handed over the mixer to me and said, okay, now you're in charge of the holiday cookies from now on in. And that was like the biggest diploma I could ever get. <laughs> so you didn't feel like that was work, like she was sending that over to you. You were happy about it. It was like a status symbol in the family, kind of. Status symbol. My mom, the perfectionist, I mean, she is Mary Poppins reincarnated. And she <laughs> like literally gave me the mixture and trusted me with it. And as a matter of fact, I believe she might have said something, you'd do them better anyway. Whoa. Yeah, that was a huge <laughs> deal. So I've always done cookies and cookie platters for the holidays, Easter and Christmas. Like that was my thing. That was my therapy from school. I loved it. I loved the monotonous. We used to say tedium is my medium. The tediousness of trying to make each cookie the same. It's therapeutic. I loved it. And I still do love it. And then one day, my in-laws moved into a new house. I didn't know, what do you give somebody that has everything? I said, you know what? This guy, Buddy Velastro, Cake Boss, has been making cakes on TV. I've been watching Challenge on Food Network all the time. Like, that was my pastime, I guess. I said, you know what? They make it look so easy. Let's see. I've never made a cake before, but here I go. This is how I do it. <laughs> head first, head first. And I baked the cake. It was okay. I'm kind of picky. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, my hands manifested this cake with a house made of Rice Krispie treats and a tree. And I'm like, how did I do this? I posted it on Facebook. I mean, if you look at it now, it's really like what? It's like a little kid do it. But I couldn't believe that I did it. But believe it or not, from that 
little cake somebody called me and my second cake was a commissioned cake right away that they asked me to make a soccer cake for an event and then it just went from there so you know what's cool about your story Juliet is you felt it internally you felt that spark internally and then also you got confirmation when someone saw it on Facebook so it's like two things coming together at once for a perfect union it was. It really was. It, it was really incredible. And I think I was really lucky with that. And social media just started to get hot at that time. I definitely owe it to social media for getting the word out. Question for you. So someone calls you and you saw that you were liking what you were doing, but now I'm sure you weren't expecting someone to call and commission you for a cake. No way. <laughs> How did you react to that? And what did you do about pricing? Because this isn't even on your radar. Okay, so they called me. And of course, this was like a family. This is family who asked me to do it. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was my second cake that I did. I said, pay me whatever you want. It's okay. That's how you start, right? Yeah, because A, I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. They were family. I'm like, I've always baked and just gave it away anyway. And this is my second cake ever. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm sure it took me a week to make the cake. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, that. it's my second cake. That's not going to work long term for sure. <laughs> right. It's supposed to be a business thing. It's just I know it took a lot of work to do. And I wasn't really expecting anything. I was just grateful that somebody asked me to make them a cake. And they paid me. And it was definitely proportionate to what the work asked for I don't know about how pretty it was but it was done <laughs> because it was a tall order this was my second cake and I made a round sphere ball on a sheet cake and a soccer ball standing figurine now those people in the sugar world know that that's not an easy thing to do but again I jump in head first oh my gosh <laughs> hey I'm still proud of it. I stand by that cake still today. So where along all of this was it that you said, oh, how about making this a business? The calls started to come in. So then there were more calls. Yeah, I guess it really just happened by happenstance. I was going into graphic design. I had my baby at the time and graphic design was kind of being outsourced with a lot more cheaper overseas designs. Brides weren't spending as much on invitations because that was kind of my flow. And those fancy invitations weren't going out the door. People were going digital. So I'm like, oh man, like what am I going to do? So my artistic layers, if you will, were no longer Photoshop. They were layers of fondant and creating figurines and cakes and things like that. So I got another email from another person and they said, oh, I saw you did such and such as cake. Do you mind doing mine? So I did another kid's cake and then another kid's cake. And I couldn't believe these figurines that were coming out of my hand. It was really, and I, even till today, to be honest, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. <laughs> <laughs> You're surprised when you see what you've made. I bet you, too, when you go back and look at some of your old designs, because you have distance from them now, that you right. look and it's like, well, whoa, that was pretty good. Look at that. I did that. <laughs> yes. And the other side of the coin, too. I'm like, how did I leave those round edges there? And I was proud of that. But uh, <laughs> now you're more critical, too, of course. Absolutely. But yeah, no, there's some things that I look at. I'm like, you had no training in this whatsoever. And it's like literally manifesting out of your fingers. It is an out-of-body experience. Yeah. It's like a trance. You fall into a trance and you turn around like, who did that? Oh, my God, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So your first jobs were people that you knew, friends and family. Mm -hmm. How long, 
And this is a perfect demonstration of word of mouth, right? Word of mouth, social media, yes, but one thing led to another and you weren't even pushing for that. This just started organically happening. How long would you say it took from people who knew you till you started getting phone calls from people that you didn't know at all? You had no connection with other than through somebody else. Like literally in months, like not even months, weeks. Really? My third and fourth cake. Well, because it happened through social media and the people who were ordering the cakes were still part of a, a tight community here in New York. So they were part of the Maltese community, which I'm so lucky I'm married to a gorgeous Maltese man. <laughs> so I guess because they hear my last name is Galia, that I must be Maltese, but I'm married to one. And they just stuck to the community. So I think being into the community, being involved with the community, letting people know that you are available there for them. And then people started having babies. And for cakes, honestly, a lot of people say that the brides are the money makers. I think the kids were the money makers for me. Because at that time, I was just kind of just training myself with each cake that came in. And I did everything in my power to make sure they were excellent because to me, my clients weren't clients, they were family. So it was really, really important for me to make sure that I give them the top notch business because I was not a shop. To me, a shop, it's a different type of service. It's just a different service. Because you're very specialized and customized. And personal, yeah. And personal, yeah, versus like a bakery where people are coming in. It's equally as good. It's just a different structure. Absolutely different structure. I was really basically a personal baker. There you go. Okay. And the other thing that is interesting about your story, the big term in this day is niching down. Become a specialist, become known for something. And so you were also a specialist as you started to build. I'm quite sure it didn't stay that way, but within the Maltese community. Absolutely. So that's another thought. Just gift biz listeners, based on your product, if you have something within your groups or whatever, to focus on that as a way to build. Because the closer customers can feel to you and feel like you get them, quote unquote, yes. the more you are going to be the chosen provider of whatever it is that you sell. Absolutely. I would totally reach out to like mommy groups within a certain neighborhood. If you are in that neighborhood, sponsor their baseball teams or something like that. And I really believe staying local with your community, social media, and I've said this a number of times, social media is a great tool. But don't be its fool. Don't think that because you have followers and I don't know where internationally, that those are not the people who are buying from you. You really need to start your family, create your community and really make it a community kitchen type of thing. If that's depends, again, on who you're trying to service. If you're servicing brides who are coming from overseas, who are coming for a destination wedding, I get that. But again, pay attention to who you're servicing and make sure you create a community around that. Yes. Yeah, so, and social media is a part of the whole, really. It's just a marketing tool. It's one marketing tool. And so is this just a fabulous quote that I just pulled out of you? Or have you already said this? Or have you heard it elsewhere? Social media is a great tool, but don't be its fool. I've always said that. Great. Social media is a tool. Don't be its fool. Oh my gosh. Well, that's going to be a quote that you are going to see on social media with your name under it. Just letting you know right now. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah, because a lot of people depend on social media and they put their full stock and they communicate with their clients on it. It's not right that they don't own that content. They really need to bring it back home, bring it back home into their newsletters. Make sure you have a database, please, of your clients. Even if it's a simple Excel sheet, if you don't know what an Excel sheet is, I'm going to break it in a word sheet. I mean, index cards, anything, anything but keeping it all on your whatever, Facebook or your Instagram. I can go on forever. That's a whole other class, a whole other workshop. I'm going to stick with your history. But before we do, you did bring up an important point. And Gift Biz listeners, at the time we're recording this, this is about a week after Facebook went down for the day. Do you guys remember that? So when this goes live, it'll be like a month ago, or I'm not exactly sure when. I swear everyone was up in arms. What's happening? How do I do business? It's the demise of everything. I mean, everyone totally freaked out. What you're talking about, Juliet, in terms of making sure that you own connection back to your customers is vital. Absolutely. I mean, it is the lifeblood of your business for sure. So any of you guys who had heart-stopping moments when that happened, that was a wake-up call (laughs) because that means you need to get things in place. Even your content, especially if I know, and this I think relates across the board with gifters as well, but like sometimes we get so busy in our lives and we post up these beautiful pictures of whatever products we're selling, what have you. Do you still have it somewhere on a hard drive elsewhere other than your Instagram? Yeah, excellent point. And how are you organizing that stuff? Just remember, like, that's just one of the spaces. That's your pinup board, but you got to have it in your filing cabinet. Yeah, excellent point. So we're back to you and you've done a number of cakes now. What happens from there? Okay, so I just continually keep on doing cakes and it's fun. I'm growing in my skills. And then I had a second baby and... Thank goodness he was so good. (laughs) I got back into baking really quick right after that. And then I started competing. And competing really got my sportsmanship out. And I said, ooh, this is fun. Now, did you do that for yourself or to reposition yourself within the industry? Or what was the purpose behind it? I had no idea what I was doing. I said, oh, this is fun. Let me try it. Oh, my God. I'm not good enough to compete. I haven't been doing this enough to compete. (laughs) But listen, you did, right? Yeah, but these are the things that I said to myself. And I know so many people out there are saying to themselves. And I competed and I placed gold on my first competition. No way. (laughs) So I was so like not, I didn't think I was going to win. I wasn't even there with my family. I was by myself. So when they called my name, I was like, huh? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I got home and my husband's like, oh, it's going to be okay. He goes, I won. Like not only won, you won gold. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. It really was. And the amount of cakes and competition, I got to learn that there's other people like me, sugar nerds, if you will. And it just ignited a new thing in me. And I didn't know that there was another community out there just like that. And I could learn more. And there were so many more things I could learn. And it was validating. I mean, you then saw that, okay, what my style is recognized in the industry as being good, more than good, winner status. 
Yeah, you know, that's a big deal, Sue, because a lot of times when we're alone in our cake caves, our crafting caves, if you will, we are lost alone in our own thoughts and they may or may not be true. And I'm not going to say that this gold medal said I was great at what I did, but it just kind of gave me that little spirit to say, yeah, you know what? I should stick with this. Hey, they stood up and took notice. Yeah, what was a big deal for me because the competitive nature that I am, I will never be satisfied with that. Yeah, I placed gold. And this is something I need to work with and appreciate that. Yes, I did win something. But to me, the appreciation that I had, that I had professionals with a professional eye looking at my work, taking the time out of their lives to look at my work that I did in my tiny kitchen was amazing to me. I was so grateful for that. And they gave me notes of what was good and how I can improve for next time. And that's what I took into the next competition. Love it. Okay, so you're competing. You went on to win two other medals. I know that from your intro. Yep. (laughs) After Juliet's gold medal status, things started to change. We'll hear what happens next right after a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. So I knew something had to change at home. I live in New York, so I started to get more orders. My work started to get even better. My recipes were unbelievable, delicious. I used to bake the same way I would bake for my family. Not like a bakery. It was all from scratch and the ingredients were all from scratch. Even my fondant was from scratch. This was unsustainable if you're going to have a business and actually make a profit. Stay here for a second. Explain that to some people who may not understand why that is. This is a good point. Absolutely. I always say this. If I was going to keep on going with the business, I would have to change a lot of things. Again, I was servicing my customers the same way that I serviced my family, if not better. (laughs) Everything was homemade, handmade, and it was done all from my hands. From washing dishes to getting the inventory, everything was done by me, solopreneur. And it was just too much. It took too much from my body. It took too much time from my family. It was taking up just too much space in my world. Yes. And then you're also limited because since you can only do so much, it's like putting a lid on the jar of the revenue that you could make. Like there's X amount only. Plus, I'm sure if you really looked at the right costs for your cakes, they would be sky high. Correct, Sue. Absolutely correct. So for example, the amount of profit that I should have been making off these cakes were not something that somebody would pay for. So in order for me to actually create a business out of it, you'd have to systemize things and maybe not make the fondant by hand. Maybe don't use those kind of ingredients. Maybe box cake is the way to go because some clientele don't have that taste. It's cake, not pastry. And I come from a cookie pastry heart. That's where my basis is. So I carry that into my caking. Because when you have cake, it's a slice of cake and usually have it with food versus when you're having just cookies, you're just taking that one bite and you're almost criticizing. I'm represented in that one bite. So I make sure that I pack as much love into it, if you will, to make that everlasting taste or everlasting mark with you. 
I carried that on with my cakes and it was just too much. In other words, the product was too expensive and it wasn't as profitable as it should have been. In order for me to do that, I would have to systemize things. I hate to say drop my standards, but it would just be a different product. Well, yeah. And I'm also thinking that you were attracting a different audience than what your standard was, because it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me, if you would have continued, you would have needed to be doing upscale cakes to celebrities who could pay for it or upscale restaurants that had to have specialty cakes and all that because they'll pay thousands and thousands of dollars for those cakes because of the taste. But it sounds like the type of clientele, yes, of course, it has to taste wonderful, but they were a lot into your designing talent. Correct. So it was, I hate to say it that way, but maybe it was about the taste of the cake, but it was also about, and maybe more about what it looked like in the impression, the visual impression. Yeah, no apology needed. You're absolutely right. But the thing is that I couldn't let out a product out of my kitchen or go through my hands that wasn't perfect because, of course, that's my perfectionist in me. So if that product wasn't 100% through and through, I felt like I couldn't put my name on it. Mm -hmm. So it held me back. That perfectionism, and that's why I say perfectionism is just, perfection is perception. So for that, those months out of my life, those years out of my life, I was holding myself back because I literally could have been making way more money, but I didn't because I needed to have that product be 100% through and through, not even 100%, 110%, you know, whatever it is. I put so much more effort into it. Yeah. So gift biz listeners, I want to relate this to everybody. So gift biz listeners, this could be for you making sure that this hand-blown glass bead is absolutely positively, every single one of them is absolutely perfect. Or cookie designs, same thing. I should try and stay out of the industry. But gift baskets that the bow that you're putting on, if it isn't absolutely perfect where every single loop is exactly right, you scrap that bow and start over with a whole nother bow. Like those are things that cost you money that the client never sees. Now, obviously it can't be lopsided. Like a bow couldn't be lopsided or a glass bead can't be imperfect. But when we go to that styling level that is just taking so much time with perfectionism, it's a good place to self-check because you're losing money in that moment when you go back and redo and redo and redo. Do, 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 do. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Time is money. And let's say, for example, let's go to those bows. Let's say, and this is just an example, I'm not a bow maker, so I don't know what the lingo is here, but let's say, for example, the most perfect bow in the world has eight loops in it or nine loops in it, and your client couldn't tell if it had five or eight, to be honest. He's happy with two. Whatever he's happy with, go for it. If he's happy with the two, go with the two. I know you love the nine bow, nine loop bow. I know that you love that for your satisfaction, but maybe you can tear your stuff and say a two loop bow is a silver package and a nine loop bow is like a gold package and do it that way. That way you can still do the bows that you love, but get paid according to it. Good point. Okay. So the suspense is rising. You're at a (laughs) crossroads. And so now you've identified this challenge. So yeah. What were your options and what did you decide to do about it? I live in New York City. So in New York City, we don't have a food cottage law. So if I was going to continue with my baking, I would have to open up a studio, which is something I've always dreamt of. 
or actually that's the only thing I was thinking is like having a studio. So I'm like, should I open up a studio? Meaning like a commercial kitchen or a bakery or what? It would be a commercial kitchen that you would have to come and see me by appointment because I'm an artist first and foremost. So it wouldn't be something that I would be doing retail on a daily basis. Gotcha. And I have my kids to raise as well. So that would have worked with that. So I was shopping around for that, thinking how much time would I need to commit to that? Because it's another family member. It's another part of your life. Mm -hmm. So I was in that crossroads. I was still getting pricing and thinking what I should do. And once that summer's eve, I guess, if you will, we were having a barbecue or a gathering with a whole bunch of bakers where we were talking about the baking industry and we were giving each other advice and I was asking people questions as I, the curious caker I am, I'm asking people questions and they're like, oh, that's a great question. Everybody's listening into the questions and stuff like that. And I said, you know what? This is such great information. You guys are so full of great information. This should be put out there and shared with everybody because I'm sure everybody else has questions just like this. And my friends were like, oh, well, then you should put it out there. And funny enough, I don't know how it happened, but we laughed it off. We left it alone. A couple of weeks later, next thing I know, I'm out there helping out another friend who started putting the information out there. And that's Chef Amy, Laura. And we went on Periscope at the time. We went on Periscope and next thing you know, we had a whole bunch of followers asking us, people that we know, asking her questions. We were talking about networking and it was such a great chat. Was it perfect? No. Our papers were flying all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) The content and the information was awesome because she kind of brought it home of why it's so important to network and what it can do not only for yourself, but for your business. Right. We called it Caker's Chat from the get-go. It was just something that happened spontaneously. So just as spontaneously as I was throwing it into the role of being a cake decorator or sugar artist, here I am being a host of a talk show. And once again, did you have that inner feeling like, ding, light goes on. This is what I want to do. Well, I love talking to people. I love getting information from people, extracting. I've always been good at that. But when my confirmation, when I said, when that ding moment, if you will, when it said I should keep on going with this is when I saw all the followers and all the questions and all the emails and Julia, can you find out how to do this and how to do that? And when I saw that other people needed this community and that we're all alone in our cake cave, and this is what I need to drive home. And this is so important to me is that we need to create a community where we love each other, or as I like to say, so we can all rise together in the oven like cupcakes. <laughs> we can absolutely rise together. We don't need to knock each other down. We do not need to blow out somebody else's candle, if you will. All our candles can light and light up the whole universe together. Absolutely. And I think especially because so many people are solo entrepreneurs, for sure, as they get started, you do feel alone. And am I doing this right? Or am I enough to your candle? And to have other people say, hey, I felt the same way. I'm going through the same thing. Keep going. Here's what you do. Or here's what worked for me. Just having that camaraderie. And we talk about the fact that social media isn't something you should lean on totally. Well, social media like Facebook groups, groups like this are golden. Absolutely. Give Biz listeners, if you haven't already found some groups that are in your industry specific, 
I definitely would do so. And I have to put the plug in here for our group, Gift Biz Breeze, which is for all gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Because I think there's a quality to cross-breeding, crafting, and making as well. Absolutely. So a maker community like mine, but also a community that's industry specific. And those two together are perfect. What do you call it? What you have a saying, you have all these sweet sayings, <laughs> but what's your buttercream saying? Oh, spread love like buttercream, of course. There you go. Of course. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> so are you not baking anymore? Okay, so I would love to bake, but I do it on the holidays and I do it only for family now. So I get those requests like, oh, Julie, because my family name is Julie. They don't call me Julia. Julie, do you think you can make me those peaches? And of course, with my family, it's never just a dozen peach cookies. It's like a tray. I'm like, sure, sure. <laughs> well, and you kind of have to since your mom passed the torch to you. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and it would drive me crazy if she did it because none of them are even. Oh my gosh. My OCD goes in there and mine are bite size anyways. Yes, yeah, so mine are a little bit better, but yes. <laughs> but you know, I think it's really good that you still have hands on in the craft because then you can continue to relate to the audience. Absolutely. Because if you weren't doing something, if you just went into, and I want to talk about what else you're doing with Caker's Chat, but if you weren't still somewhat hands-on. Now you're not monetizing that hands-on part. I get it. But you're much more relatable. They feel like you understand them too. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm not the chef master baker. I'm actually not even trained in my craft. I'm trained by the school of hard knocks, if you will. But I'm still in the game. And I'm not saying that I have everything figured out, but I'm here to support you in what you do. See, I've been supporting a lot of people in different industries in my career while I've been doing, while I've been went to school, I was supporting so many different industries and other solopreneurs and I watched them work. So mm -hmm. I know what works and I know what doesn't work. Yes, in the beginning, when you have your dream, you are working by yourself. You need to start thinking about having a team, outsourcing certain things. And when you don't have a support system or you have a support system, but they don't know exactly how to support you, sometimes it's important for you to either A, get a mentor or hire one. And I know money is short, but wouldn't you rather not sit there and reinvent the wheel when somebody's already gone through it and is willing to mentor you through certain things? How much more can you accomplish if somebody said, you know what, why don't you do F steps A, B, and C? Because you're so busy looking at the pixels of a picture versus the bigger picture. Again, it goes back to working on your business versus working in your business. Absolutely. And I would dare to say that you end up spending more money that way. It's just little chunks of money over time versus investing in someone who can really help you move the ball forward in a big way. Move the ball forward with somebody or you are going to end up getting hurt while trying to move this ball that's not going to move anywhere. Right. And then there's the uncertainty. Am I actually even doing what I should be doing? Is this the right method? All of that. Just having someone who has had the experience. I totally agree with you, Juliet, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Tell us more about Caker's Chat and anything else you'd like to add to what you're doing today. Absolutely. Well, Kickers Chat is a online community and right now it's on YouTube. So there's a weekly YouTube show and it's a podcast so you can listen in if in case you're baking or doing crafts. So you, in case you can't watch. And we help bakers and sweet treat makers build their confidence through self-awareness and 
as a result, they become more confident to be seen and to be able to profit from their passion and help spread love like buttercream within the tribe. And it all relates as far as their business. So the more they grow and help others grow, they too in their own business can grow and apply certain ideas or thoughts or mindsets, which is a big deal. Because a lot mm -hmm. of people who become makers or crafters or bakers, a lot of times fall into it by accident, just like I did. Absolutely. I agree with you. I see them every day. And so both on YouTube and your podcast is Caker's Chat. So that's where the people will find you. Absolutely. Okay. And then also, of course, Gift Biz listeners on the show notes page, I'll have links to Facebook, Instagram, all those good sites for you to know about. So Juliet, I understand you have some gifts for my audience today. Absolutely. If you're a cake or baker or a sweet treat maker or any kind of maker or creative, today for you, I have Caker's Chat Badges. And because I love you, they're iron-on for your chef coat. And also, we can do a discovery session just for you where we can talk about the things that you need and maybe line up where you need to go with your business. Oh, cool. So a discovery session, is that a phone call or how does that work? Absolutely. We can get onto a Skype call or a FaceTime call and kind of discuss where you're at with your goals and where you want to go. And maybe I can help you realign that with the tasks you need to do to get there. Oh my gosh, that's so generous, Juliet. I really appreciate it. So there are patches for your chef coat. Yes. And there's the opportunity for the calls. So how do people get in contact with you for those? Well, you head over to cakerschat.com, sign up for our newsletter. And the first two people to sign up for our newsletters will be eligible to get those chef coat badges and a discovery session call. So two people will be winners. So act fast. Can't wait to chat with you. Well, Juliet, I don't have a cake here to give you, but <laughs> I do have a gift for you. <laughs> it's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What's inside your box? Oh, Sue, thank you so much. This is something I've dreamt about for a very long time. It's a unified front of humans looking to fulfill their dreams. They're filled with love and confidence and a growth mindset. And they have tolerance and compassion for one another. And we, as a unified front, get to make everything grow and fill the universe with more love. Okay, can I be the first one at that door to get in? Because that sounds perfect. <laughs> Can I come share your gift with you? Absolutely. It's for everybody. Love it. Only with more love in this world can we create more things without anything else holding us back. Couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much, Juliet. Your story is so interesting. I know a lot of it is you say, well, I didn't mean to do this, but this happened. And I didn't like everything just naturally progressed for you. And of course, yes, in the instance of Caker's chat, it was a definite decision because you were at a fork in the road. It's going to be one way or it's going to be the other. And I kind of feel like the universe decided it for you. No, you're right. Again, I didn't mean to be a leader in the industry. I was chosen by my tribe. But you were open to the idea, you accepted and saw the information and then took action and moved forward. And I think a lot of people either don't have their eyes wide open to it or they say, no, 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 it couldn't be me. 
that has to go back to self-awareness. It's really important. Self-awareness and listen. (laughs) So I want to thank you for being a leader of your community, the yummy buttercream and everything sweet community. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I love that. And I thank you so much for sharing everything that you have with us today. Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much. And I love your program. And please continue to spread love like buttercream. See what I mean? Juliet is a riot when she expresses herself and aligns her comments right to her industry. And it just naturally rolls off her tongue, along with such great advice. I do want to reinforce what she talked about when she was discussing what prevented her from growing her business for a while. I know that this is a place where a lot of people get stuck. As a one-woman show, you can only do so much. So I want you to think about whether you're at that fork in the road like Juliet was. And if so, what steps do you need to take to adjust so you're still advancing towards your goals? Maybe one of the things to consider is what we're talking about next week, which is scaling your business online. I look forward to us all being together then. And this week, let's take Juliet's advice. Let's spread love like buttercream. Bye for now.